0: I was listening to your like what AI generated music. I don't remember what it was. It was like a video where uh, I don't remember the name of it, but essentially it was like Black Mirror, but music.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that, that is my, my master's recital. Okay. And what I did with that is, uh, so I have my master's in music composition
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, the, the idea kind of came about naturally as My teacher was really just starting out. He was like, hey, we're taking electroacoustic lessons. Make a thing. Something simple doesn't have to be a whole lot of tracks or whatever. Just make a thing. Um, And so I started with this thing just called machinations. And the idea was just what what is some kind of music that a computer would make? And so it, it wasn't AI generated, but it was uh, taking concepts of what a computer would sort of sound like go technology. down with yeah. complexity's sake. And so I combined the concept of minimalism, uh, which uh, Steve Reich, Philip Glass and all that stuff, uh, Terry Riley, the, you take a thing and you just repeat it over and over again. But then you slightly change it over time. And whenever those changes happen over time, you really notice those changes because you've been so used to this one same thing happening over and over again. And okay. so it's it's complexity within the simplicity. And then the other one, uh, the other concept that I imbued in Machinations 1 was uh, serialism. And so serialism is a concept where in our Western notation system, we have 12 tones that we... Can Choose from, and basically, in the 20th century, uh, composers got really tired of seven note scales and then got tired of weird other scales, and so they're like, All right, let's just blow the whole thing up and go choose any note, and instead of having a home note as we are used to, do, re, mi, fa, sol, latido. Uh, we can have a non-tonality system. And so they systematically made it to where no note is played more often than another. Hmm. Um, And so what happens is you get these 12-tone rows, which means that every time that a note is played, it won't be played again until the whole row is completed. And so what I did with Machinations 1, I took this complex system of serialism, which is a systematic non-home tone, and then a system of simplicity, which is uh, excessive repetition. And so I combined the two with Machinations 1 being uh, kind of what a, a smart AI would be interested in, in a way. And so that's kind of the concept of it. And so there's a a 12 tone row that is, that kind of makes up the melody of the piece and it's played over and over again. And so by the, by the end of the track, you kind of know how that row goes because it's been playing at you for so long. Uh, in fact, it's like, do, 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 do. Like I know that melody now because I've heard it so many times now. Um, and whenever it changes in the piece, you really notice. And I feel like that's a problem that a lot of uh, serialist music has is that it's not very catchy. Yeah. <laughs> and to it's, pop it just sounds like nonsense. And so uh, I was interested in that concept. And that's kind of what started the Machination series, just this concept of what would the future be in music if a computer...
0: Creative. made
1: music yeah. creatively and yeah. so that well, and that's kind what of they're s- doing now too yeah 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 and they are and but they're kind of applying our own concepts back at us and so what we're getting is this kind of splicing I don't know it's it's like a childish representation of what these things are it's like hey give me an ambient pad sort of sound
0: if i were to I make mean, an analogy real quick uh with spriting the creation of 2d characters a lot of people learn mm-hmm. how to do it by splicing like pokemon sprites together and i think that's what kind of um a lot of computer J- ai is doing they actually ai can do that with spriting as well but i think that's the same concept that's applying to the music they're they're splicing what's known already into something new it's not necessarily producing fully new just yet
1: yeah, and I think that's what the the concepts that will come out of uh, smart AIs is that we're starting to see the and not even smart AIs now because we don't have those obviously uh, a GAI but uh, or general intelligence the the algorithms more so that we have now are able to produce novel conclusions from pre existing input. And so once we're able to compound those novel conc- conclusions, we're able to have a sort of knowledge explosion and achieve concepts that we, that we as humans haven't put into the algorithm itself, uh, which is actually what Machinations 2 is about. It's sort of exploring the idea of an AI, uh, a smart AI uh, getting connected to the internet getting all of the information of the universe uh, or that we have of the universe and then arriving at its own conclusions and in a way becoming like a god because it has so much more knowledge than we do that it would to us be indistinguishable from a god.
0: (laughs) I I thought about this. We talked about in the last episode where the idea of the Venus Project, the smart cities, and one question you asked me, uh, I remember, was... What do you think people can do to start actually working towards smart cities? And so that was actually a concept that I was really applying towards my first in- endeavor, I guess you could say, was called the United Living Construct, which mm-hmm. is meant to be a hub of innovation. I created it to be almost, I don't want to say competitor, but another Venus Project in a way, essentially. Yeah. And I realized that one of the reasons why the Venus Project was, I don't want to say failing, but failing to progress was the fact they weren't able to help change the lifestyles that people were trying to apply, which I think we yeah. established that the idea of the lifestyles need to change before the societal norms and the actual technology can. Yeah.
1: No, I think that, um, one of the big concepts within the Venus project is the idea of self-regulating. And so using the the power that society and culture has to be able to create a better society ourselves, and so I think the 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 hard part with that is that we are so kind of in our own world here, and we just we're so I mean susceptible to propaganda for one, but we're also so used to the idea that this is all we've got, and so I think that. Culture it has the power to change a lot of stuff if we allow ourselves to do so. And I think that's one of the, the harder parts. One, one reason I always ask, uh, do you believe humans are evil by nature or how do we reduce the division is so that we can apply these concepts to our own lives and thinking that this is the goal. I think that uh, especially in America we have this self-centered mindset which is I do me and I get my money and you stay over there and this this idea is going to kill us <laughs> for one but I mean we're we're not getting off of this rock until we get our stuff together and so I mean I think the I appreciate Elon Musk's optimism about, yeah, let's go to Mars, but it's like, we're just going to- Screw it up there too. Blow, yeah, we're just going to blow that one up too, because we still haven't figured out how to live with ourselves. And so there, the hard part with that is that there's so much propaganda that we've been dealing with that is anti-collectivist, anti-communist, anti-anything that- resembles this sort of egalitarian approach which is just the approach of nature the approach of evolution uh trees and forests all communicate within themselves and distribute resources within themselves uh which in a way have their own culture um bee colonies have their own collectivist unit that they function within and these are things that exist in nature that for whatever reason we're not applying as a human species we're we're applying it somewhat in the concepts of countries small communities and stuff like that but we're not able to step outside ourselves that probably has to do with the dunbar's number uh and that we're not good at conceptually dealing with units of people larger than 150.
0: So, I mean, collectivism <laughs> is neither really good or bad, but it's been applied in a bad way. I mean, that's what caused the mosque shooting back last year in New Zealand. It was a collectivist idea. And that in the last episode, we were talking about political parties and how collectivism is bad because of that. People, people are getting too one-sided because of that. But the idea of just being unified is one thing I think the Venus Project is trying to really go for as well. They're, they're doing a really good job at trying to convey the information as much as possible, at, at least in their way. And I think that's a really cool idea. My, my situation is that we need to have that collectivism in a globalization scale, where we see ourselves as a global community. And that's the issue that you were alluding to earlier. I feel that the Venus Project went from the top down. They tried to reshape the way we did the actual economy and... Like function of a city and how the city is designed. But like we mentioned earlier, it comes down to the people. The people need to be able to self-actualize. Who am I? What do I need to be? Who do I need to serve? How do I work? And I think that comes down to self-development and self-education and being able to teach yourself. And that's one reason why the United Living Construct was created, to be that self-development platform to create a hub of innovation, presumably online, more like a... Facebook group, but much on a larger scale, like a actual tribe, so to speak. And you could take that into a physical construct like the Venus project was kind of creating. So like you said, self self analysis in a way, but adapting that to a globalization mindset, then we can move on to places like Mars and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And the thing is is that like we in a weird way, we need a different breed of human. (laughs) I mean we we haven't been living in society for very long if you look at the span of these were the apes that we were for millions of years and only for this tiny sliver of history have we been living in what we call society insert joker meme here um so the (laughs) what we need to do first is kind of convince enough people that from the very beginning that we can do something else. Um, And that's kind of why from the very beginning, it seems like that's the concept to start with that we need to accept that we can do something else because it's so easy to shoot down these ideals. um, When this is all that we've known in our own lives and the evidence is there, obviously, that we're capable of growth. And so, yeah, having a community around you that is going, we can all learn these things. We can all self improve, and self improvement extends to the community around us. And that community extends to other communities. And the more globalized this sort of thing is, is. I feel like, in a weird way, the the Venus Project would happen anyways. Like, in, in a way, that's sort of the how. The, oh, how would we create a globalized society? Well, this is how. And it, and it makes sense. And every which question that you ask about, well, what would people do? How would people get around? How would people learn? And Jacques Fresco had answers to all those questions. But it, it was always how would and how will, but it there's it's always hard to get from here to there and it's nice to kind of provide the hypothetical and be like, well people would be like this well people aren't like this, and that's how we have to get to and so there we have I don't know <laughs> A generation upon generation of propaganda convincing us that uh, this notion of capitalism and me and mine is the way to go. And so anything that sounds like the Venus project, anything that sounds like complete world globalization sounds pretty commie to me. So get that out of here. You right.
0: Know? Well, <laughs> And the idea of shared resources and that kind of thing, I think the Venus Project is on the right track. I, I love what they're trying to do. I have—I don't have any negative opinions of them per se. But one thing I saw of them doing wrong was the approach of trying to convince other people. So maybe it was the business aspect in me, but we live in a capitalistic world in society. Yeah. You can't fight that truth. And capitalism is not inherently bad. I think the application of it, that's a whole nother tangent for us to go on another day, but... I think that uh, to realize that we are in a capitalist society and I think that in order to grow, you have to treat it more like a business. You have to treat it more like, hey, how can I get the idea out there? How can I market that idea? And so you can take after assignments and next start with why. And so the Venus Project is, is keeps pushing the how, the how, the how. But people mm-hmm. don't care about the how as much. People don't even care about the what it is because they, they don't want they don't, to they don't know what, what it is or how to do it if they don't know why it's important. And so yeah. the idea of starting with why... Why do you want to create this society? Why do you? And the Venus Project has been doing that. I noticed on their like social pages and on their blog and whatnot, they're, they're starting to realize that, I think, and they're starting to change their actions based off that idea. I've noticed that they do, they're doing that. And that's great. But in order to take this globalization idea or applying it to smart cities or uh, new societal norms that the Venus Project is trying to create, you have to understand the human psyche and how we approach new knowledge and new ideas.
1: Yeah. Um, So then how do we sell that idea since, yeah, obviously we live in a sort of Darwinist universe, which is we have to learn to adapt within the systems that we're living in. And so, yeah, since we can't escape the fact that we are in a capitalist society and businesses and marketing is a thing that we have to live within, how do we sell the idea?
0: make it worthwhile for the people to do like reason why Tesla has been able to accelerate their car growth is that the car cup, comp- like this is almost sounds like a conspiracy theory, but the actual car companies have suppressed electric car technology for decades, almost a hundred years now because they had electric cars back when the car was invented in like the yeah, early yeah. 1900s. And it was they suppressed made Two documentaries about it. Yeah. <laughs> they suppressed that technology because they wanted to make money off of the gas uh, consuming cars. And so We have to find a company that does the opposite, where they want to support those new ideas like Tesla. That's one reason why Tesla has been so successful is that they were able to disrupt the industry that was already being created. And I think with the rise of technology being in the way it is, the global communication scale that we have with the internet, you can create podcasts like you're doing or like I'm doing to help change people's minds and understand the why behind why is self-education important? Why is philosophy important? Why why do you have your podcast and, and share it with people? When you share your why, people understand like, hey, I actually like this person. Santiago seems like a really cool guy. I want to learn more from him. I'm going to listen to the rest of his podcast as well. And when you start having that change in people's lives, that's how you can start changing people's actions and then therefore the group's actions. Right. There is a
1: notion of, I mean, I feel like people are starting to catch on about the notion of power and how... Uh, power dynamics work in our society and so i I bring that up because sure tesla is a great example of kind of shifting the dynamic on that but not just anyone can do that uh why not (laughs) elon musk is a billionaire yeah he's he has the resources to be able to punch through
0: that yeah and i mean (laughs) like he didn't always have the resources though. Like he got to a point where SpaceX and Tesla were about to go bankrupt and he had to split his money either to one company or the other. And he decided to do 50 50, which is a very risky chance. And he was, he happened to be lucky enough and driven enough and successful enough to do it. But it wasn't him that did it, it was his team too behind him. He was mm-hmm. able to build up a group of people, he was able to unite people towards a common goal. So it wasn't just him. It, he. There's no reason why we can't be that level of genius as well. He has a certain level of IQ and I think understanding of the universe that's very acute. But that's because he was always interested in science. He, he read textbooks for fun when he was a kid. Like, that's why mm. he was special. It's not that he is some extraordinary being.
1: Right. Yeah. But it is also the fact that like, I mean, luck plays into it. But the, the, the idea of privilege weighing into this is that the reason I'm not changing the world and punching through the marketing sphere is because I don't have the money or resources to make that happen. I'm, I'm not making multi-million-dollar albums uh, because I don't have the same marketing team and record label that Taylor Swift does. So I can't put my face on Amazon boxes. <laughs>
0: so what's the problem there? Like, I mean, I, I I'm not making money. I, I have barely enough to pay rent half the time. And, right. and yet like I do, I think it's a short term view of it. Like, I don't, I'm not able to do it because I don't have the money right now, but you might have it in the future. You might have some kind of viral hit that ends up going, giving you millions of dollars to spend towards your goals. Uh, Elon was able to build his companies because he had a a hit with PayPal and some of the other companies he had built beforehand. He had built himself up. People see him as an overnight success, but he's been doing it for decades now. And um, same thing for you. It's like how. We're both solopreneurs in a way. We're both content creators, and sure. uh, being—I don't know if you have a team behind you or any partners behind your podcast Daddy. here, just you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my point. Where if you can only do it yourself, we have technology now that can automate all your social posts. If you want mm-hmm. to share your podcast on Twitter, then share it, and then like, but doing it yourself takes up your time that you could be spending towards something else. So how can you automate that task, like through Zapier or a social media marketing tool, to make it easier for you? It's not scammy or like that you're just trying to automate the tasks so that you can focus on more important tasks and then you can right. create more which will make you more successful
1: yeah uh i mean this is like i guess i'm complaining now but <laughs> yeah, the, totally. the 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 ceiling that i'm reaching is a a money ceiling it's it's not that i have a a lack of content it's not that i mean i as conceited as it may sound i think my music is really good And so there's nothing that's stopping me. There's nothing that's stopping. There is obviously something
0: that's stopping you. What's the problem that's stopping you from making money off of the content you've made already? Uh, A marketing budget. (laughs)
1: Uh, So, I mean, the way that people get their content out to people, yeah, sure. You can do social media posts, you can do all this stuff. The resources are there. But the people that break through are the people that are able to. put money in to have it be on more eyes. I don't have as many eyes on my content. That's the
0: well, um, problem. Well, I, I think <laughs> we're hitting on opposite ends here, which is kind of nice. We can kind of debate about this a little bit. I, I would consider myself a modern marketing expert. So you can pick my brain if you like. I know that sounds well, kind I of mean- braggy, but, boastful, <laughs> but it's true at this point. I've taught myself right. all the things you need to know for it. Sure.
1: But I mean, there's, there's some people who are able to, all right, well, I have 3000 Instagram followers, and I can put out a thing. And, you know, a percentage of those 3000 will see the thing. And that's not something that everyone has the power to do. So how do you break through that for free?
0: (laughs) Create more and be more systematic about what you create. So, for example, on your YouTube channel, you have a lot of amazing content. I saw the whole list on there, but there's ways that you could probably make it more effective. There, There is changes going on in YouTube algorithms. What I'm teaching might be a little bit more uh, dated, but there is search engine optimization. YouTube is the second Mm -hmm. largest search engine in the world. If you search for something on there, something's bound to pop up. And your videos might not be ranking as high and getting to as many eyeballs because of the way the tags are set up, uh, the way the description is set up. There are certain things that YouTube also rewards, such as if I made a comment on your video and you engage with my comment, either by replying or liking it or pinning it, that is engagement on the video, which will help boost your rankings because you're being active on the platform. If you are putting adequate tags that are descriptive to what the content's about. Like, we talked about a lot of stuff in both the interviews uh, today and the other time where you could probably put tags in for stoicism or the Tao of physics that I mentioned earlier, or you you even could even put a affiliate link or I guess Amazon doesn't like that name, Uh partner <laughs> link or whatever, whatever Amazon wants to call it nowadays. You can put one of their links in the description for the books that we mentioned today. You also talked about power earlier. One book that's really helpful for understanding power dynamics is the 48 laws of power. We've talked about th- three different books there uh, throughout our time span. You could put links into the description, which will allow you to gain monetization on it in the long run not a very strong way but it's a sustainable way that people can actually respect like hey i want this book he provided me a link he did the work to find the link for me i'm willing to give him the small percentage for that gross i'm gonna stop talking because i think i'll go on a tangent if i keep going no no no. uh the point of this the conversation one is tangents uh yeah (laughs) but i'll go on an extended Um, one do you have any questions because i'd be happy to help you
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that this not only helps me, but it helps anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least from the point of view of I'm good at excuses yeah. is that <laughs> is that um, that additional stuff, uh, SEO and all that stuff. costs time and it's time that I don't have or time that really in all honestly, I'm
0: at times too lazy to optimize. So. <laughs> so, well, then that comes down to the point of, first off, why don't you have time? Are you spending time on video games? Are you spending time on hobbies that probably aren't producing your results that you want? Like, I'm not judging you by any means. If you have a hobby you really mm. enjoy, go go and do it. We talked about happiness earlier. I mean, happy. I'm happy for yeah. you to have happiness. But if you are complaining about not having enough growth with your channels, then that is a problem that you can solve by changing what effort you're putting towards time-wise. And then on top of that, too... Perhaps you're creating too much content, like doing too many interviews in a month's time span, whereas that one day that you had this two-hour interview, you could spend those two hours pursuing, like, hey, I'm going to go back to my old videos and slightly optimize them, get them a little bit more tags on there, uh, and have someone go on your videos and comment on all of them or something like that, and just Mm -hmm. like um, spend those two hours trying to share knowledge. There's probably a great video that you had Maybe like machinations that we talked about before. That was a really interesting concept. I had no idea that you had that on there. All I thought you mm-hmm. had on the, sh- the channel was this uh, podcast. And so sharing that video again, making a small campaign, like scheduling out Twitter posts for the next year, saying, hey, this is a project I worked on. I think you'd really like it. You're not being spammy because you're spreading it out over time. People are never going to see those posts for like, if the same person's not going to see the same post. So if you said that machinations for every month or even just three times a year, people are going to be like, oh, this is really cool. It's evergreen as the term is ghost. It's something that's sure. always going to be good.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I do think that, I mean, this goes into a broader conversation about uh, this culture is living on, I don't know, kind of being that kind of person. And if there's anything that is my shtick is authenticity. And so I, I think that I don't like being a marketing guy <laughs> because um, one of the questions I asked a lot of musicians is uh, what is selling out? And I think that the general consensus is betraying your own values or morals or whatever to uh achieve monetary or, uh, uh, fame, uh, gain. Then don't sell out. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, sure. But the, the, I don't like the kind of person that I could become, which is, I don't know if you watch the show Atlanta, uh, but, uh, there's this guy on there named Zan on an episode and he literally records everything. He is wearing a shirt with his own face on it. He's, uh, hashtagging himself. He's, uh, plugging himself in every single, uh, conversation that he has with anyone. He, he exists as a social media being, and there is no person within. And there the current system encourages this kind of behavior. True, it rewards this kind of behavior, and from a spiritual sense, in a way, uh, I don't like being that person. And I think that the 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 grind of yeah, you got to just work harder, get on that grind, uh, start optimizing your stuff, post all the time, and this is the way that. Sure, we succeed within this system, and I understand that, and I know that that's the kind of work that it takes. But also, that's exhausting spiritually to to me as a person. And so, yeah, it would benefit me to have because because I'm I'm not the kind of so, person that's good at that.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> and it would th- that's benefit fine. to have
1: a team behind you. You don't even to be need a team to do like- those things for you.
0: Let's just put it in perspective, though. Like, if if you're complaint, like, if, if I don't have any issue with you not doing it, like, I personally think that if you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. I think right. the first point to make is that marketing is not scummy. It's not anything that's bad. If you're doing crappy ads and you're shoving it into people's faces, that's bad. All marketing is, is not even a business sense. It's just conveying an idea, letting someone know about it. I was having this idea about pharmaceuticals, like having different medicines and whatnot. We need to know those medicines exist. There's some people who really need those. But I was watching a show the other day on one of my few breaks that I take, and Mm -hmm. there was a pharmaceutical ad for something that I, I would never have in this generation of my time. Like If I am in the future where I have that issue, then I'll be caring more about it. But right now, they're showing me this ad, despite the fact none of my data they've collected on me is relevant to me actually needing that. That's scummy. That's annoying. I don't need to know that ad. That is bad <laughs> marketing. But that's just because they are not taking the time to share something that's relevant to me. Versus the other day, I downloaded an app that was really re- relevant to me called Voice Hub, which is a, a cool new kind of TEDx podcasting platform where you could share ideas with people. And it's in a beta test, so I I got access to that. But because I downloaded that app, I got an ad on Instagram saying there's a new app that's kind of like it that you might like. (laughs) That was relevant to me. I actually checked it out. I didn't download it, but I checked it out. I clicked through, Mm -hmm. as they say. And that was because it was relevant. And that's kind of the true marketing. Is it important to the person that you're trying to gear towards? And think of it almost like this. If, If you're not marketing your awesome podcast to other people... To like people mm-hmm. who are gonna like it. I think I found you through Matchmaker, which is a type of mar- marketing, right? Yeah, yeah. You're marketing yourself to other podcast guests and hosts and that kind of thing to get more guests on the show, and, that, and that's literally just a generic example of marketing. If you are yeah. finding, if you're not finding people on the show or the show to show people the show, you're almost doing a disservice to them because you're creating this awesome content but not letting them see it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so point number one, I'm lazy and I suck. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no. But no, I mean, and, and that's the thing is that uh, I, I'm i at least self-aware enough to know that I don't want to be the one to do that. Uh, <laughs> and either I could let go of that and do it anyways, uh, knowing that their stuff, I would rather be doing, or I could uh, find other ways of doing that. And I mean, yes, we ended up making this about me for right now, but it it, it is that like I don't know. I think everyone has a a, a limit to what they their, can do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, I get you. The way that people de- describe depression is that like, oh, I only have so many, uh, I f- I forget, it's like energy or like life bars. Attention units and, and whatnot. It's like, and, and each each thing that I do takes up one of those. And like, I don't have depression, but like I still have a limit to how many of those things that i could do well that's why i was and mentioning so- the
0: hobbies like if you have a guitar like some kind of like bad hobby like video games i love video games i know they're not a bad mm-hmm. hobby per se but they're not productive unless i'm like a twitch mm-hmm. streamer and so like if i'm sitting there i want to go market this content or do i want to play video games i'm making a conscious choice to spend my attention units my energy units on that bad ha- hobbit. it's quote unquote bad hobby so to speak there's a guy named gary v who when you were talking about the Atlanta show, that guy puts his name on everything. It reminded mm. me exactly of him. Gary Vee is the kind of guy who puts his brand, his name, Gary Vee, Gary Vaynerchuk, on everything. The Gary Vee audio experience and all that kind of thing. But people see him. They see this pompous kind of jerk that they think that is mean. But he's one of the most genuine... Like I think he's probably one of the greatest philosophers of our time. I think 100 years from now, people are going to look back on him and see this philosophy like we do with some Darwinism or Kara uh, Young and Alan Watts, these people that were probably chastised when they were alive, but not necessarily appreciated and until later. And I think that with Gary V he talks about what you're saying exactly. Basically, like if you're not the type of person to do it, that's fine. Know who you are. Self-awareness is super important. You have that. You've obviously shown that you have that, and that's great. I'm (laughs) glad that you're able to understand that. Like, Hey, I don't want to spend the time to learn this. I don't want to spend the time to actually do it, even if I do know it, especially if it feels like it's more gruesome or tiring to do. For example, I like editing in a way, but it's one of my weakest... Areas where I think it's boring. I don't like doing it. So I outsourced it to a guy on Fiverr the other day who I got recommended by another podcast host. And Mm -hmm. it was hard for me to delegate that task, but he came up with a pretty good result. And I think that working with him in the future will help me alleviate some of my tension with editing so I could focus more on the marketing because I like marketing. I like being able to do it. But... I also don't like spending the time marketing because I've been doing all these interviews lately personally don't want to talk about myself mm-hmm. too much but you might understand nope, doing this too Talk about yourself. I just talked about myself a whole bunch. You can <laughs> it's talk about just, it's yourself. Conversation too. Yeah. Well, and it's like you and I both seem to be doing a lot of interviews and a lot of like content creation which means there there has to be a marketing behind that. You can't just create a content and not share it with people because then you're not only doing a disservice to them but also too you're just wasting potential that could be applied. Even just mm-hmm. sharing on Twitter once. Is better than none. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so creating all this content and not marketing it is hard. I get it. Find someone else to do it. Yeah. Uh, which is why I brought up the ceiling of money
1: yeah. first. Because it's like if I don't do it myself, which is my time, my effort, um, then I have to bring that to someone else. I'm self-aware enough to know that this is a difficult thing for me. So I can either put in the energy myself or I can pay money. Because money is essentially time uh, in this world that we have to outsource that kind of effort to someone else. And so, yeah, the the ceiling for me is money.
0: (laughs) So, okay, let's go back to the Venus Project then. They're talking about a more resource sharing economy where we want, you and I both said we want to work towards that goal of like changing how the economy works, changing from a more, I mean, less capitalism and more kind of globalization and unit, unity. Um, and so we still have the barter system. If you if you have a particular skill such as music generation or maybe, maybe someone's wanting to create their own intro for their brand or something like that. And you have the skill Mm -hmm. to do it very quickly. Even if you don't like doing it, it may only take you 30 minutes to make them something pretty decent. You can Mm -hmm. change that, exchange that 30 minutes of work for them doing 30 minutes of marketing for you. And so just finding someone that can work with you. I actually went on Reddit and looking for like co-founders or content creators that I could exchange effort with in order to do something like that. And so just um, finding someone that would work with you to help you with your weak points and you can help them with theirs. That's a beautiful concept that I had not thought about. And that's the point of these things.
1: Uh, <laughs> um, so how? what are the, the ways in which you find kind of those limits? Because if, I mean, obviously not everyone is famous. If everyone was famous, then no one would be famous. Uh, <laughs> so where do you find those limits in that uh, I'm not reaching as many people as I could be, or I'm not able to, like, where are the walls in your experience?
0: So I think we're pretty similar in nature and in the problems we faced. I may be a little bit farther along because I've, I've been trying to work on this for a little bit longer. I, I started back in 2011 blogging, and so I started mm-hmm. looking at social media marketing way back then, even. Right. And I also really care about, like, I don't have music production like you do. I didn't pursue a degree you focused your energy on those things and that's totally okay and that's what you wanted to do. But because of that, you weren't able to learn the marketing or the other areas of stuff. And so for me, my challenges have been the same kind of deal, but kind of what you mentioned earlier about the energy units is that and the hustling and the grinding, you Mm -hmm. sometimes just have to do it. Sometimes it just takes execution, staying up late some nights and after editing a podcast for four hours, spending two hours marketing it or preparing, like scheduling it ahead of time so that you don't have to do it during the day of. And then there's also concepts of batching. So like doing two podcasts in one setting, is a really good way of batching. You can create a lot of yeah. content in a short time span. I like that idea. And um, if you do that with the same concept of marketing, instead of creating content every day, trying to share that same podcast from a week ago today, you could just set it up all on the Sunday that you're doing it. Like we do this today, you do that tomorrow and you schedule it out for overtime. So, it conserves energy and that kind of thing. (laughs) Um,
1: So, I mean, the... I feel like luck eventually plays into the thing, which is just like, eventually someone's eyes get on the thing and this person is important enough to blow it up. Uh, It's funny you say that. Right. Well, because... no, go go ahead.
0: I had someone. There's a podcast called "Blow It Up," and one of my guests is the host of that podcast. And I think he even talks about luck as well. And like, like this ask. And like, um, there was another person that I had where, I, literally, he has a question. Like a different. This is a different person though. This podcast he has, he literally asks like every guest what is luck to you. And the answer I gave him is that there's a certain amount of like. If we want to get existential, there might be some kind of universal force that says, "Oh, you've earned enough luck for this particular situation." But it also comes down to strategy too. I think if your strategy is improved, and like let's say search engine optimization and marketing in a at least a minimal amount, if you can apply that effort, your amount of luck is going to increase. If you sit there and make a hundred podcasts and only put it on YouTube, not like other platforms like SoundCloud and all the uh, podcast distribution like, you, like you're like you doing at least, like you're doing mm-hmm. all that. If you're only doing one platform, then you're only gonna reach that one place. And even if you yep. optimize it perfectly, you're still only reaching that one place versus trying to put it on all these or using tools that distribute to them all like Anger and that kind of thing, then you're putting yourself out there more. And so you're more susceptible to getting viral and having luck at being discovered.
1: Right. Yeah, and that's actually something that – so I work for – I don't know to what extent I'm – I haven't signed an NDA, so whatever. Uh, (laughs) uh, I work for ACM at UCO, which is a music school in Oklahoma, and um, it's where I went to school, but I also – because having a podcast for as long as I have, I got a job uh, kind of producing the master classes for ACM which basically the CEO of ACM, uh, his name is Scott Booker, who I've had on the podcast. He, uh, gets no well, one. He's the manager of the flaming lips. That's a very important thing to know because, because he is the manager of the flaming lips. He's able to talk to different managers, different business people, different musicians, and have them come to the school. If they're touring nearby and, uh, give a masterclass and they'll give an hour long talk, lecture, interview, whatever it might be. And so my job is to take this 10 year long backlog of interviews and masterclasses and edit the audio video and uh, transcribe them. And so that's the longest part of the process. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, and that's been one of the biggest trends in what, every one of these artists has been talking about. Um, he's had Roger Daltrey of The Who, he's had Jackson Brown, he's had Nile Rogers, Ben Folds. Um, and those are more of the recent ones that I've been working on, and those were a long time ago. But one of the bigger concepts that they keep talking about is it's not just getting lucky, That that is a part of it, but it is being ready for the luck. And so there's there's lots of instances where Uh, 80s one hit wonders would not be ready for that kind of uh, success and so that by the time that the hit happens and they could potentially harness that energy and keep working with it instead it just peaks and goes right back down and they weren't ready for that luck and so in a weird way i'm i'm kind of trying to prepare for and have all of the things ready for it but yeah the 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 problem that i'm sure lots of musicians and content creators i'm sure are facing is that like there's the walls that we're hitting of why isn't this blowing up
0: yeah (laughs) so I want to be blunt a little bit i i don't think you're ready yet and i don't think i'm ready yet actually um i think i'm getting closer to it because i i I realized the same thing that you're saying too and i tried to make myself more open to it but i think there's a certain degree of actions you can take like for example collaborating having guests on your podcast was a it's a big deal i i made 42 episodes before i ever had any guests on my show and so Mm. like it's interesting how I changed my actions for that. And now I'm reaching out to people like you and finding really cool connections we can make and expanding my circle. Had I blown up a year ago, I probably would have failed because I didn't have a big enough circle to rely on. Like, hey, Santiago, you've been podcasting longer than me or podcasting more than me at this point. What are some of your tips to edit really quickly or something like that? And reaching out to you as a connection, like, how can I do better? Because you have a lot more right. skill in this area. Or like if you reached out to me, like, hey, I need to get this out as quickly as possible, what tool can I use to market this particular podcast? Because I got this really awesome guest on there, this really successful entrepreneur, what, whatever, what have you. And so having that connection, I think, is another big deal. Not just luck, but having a network. Mm-hmm. And so you have yeah. the manager you mentioned earlier. He's part of your network. You might be able mm-hmm. to ask him. Let's say, let's say there's this one person you meet in your town who's really good at marketing, but he really wants to know the contents of your master classes right there. But mm-hmm. he doesn't want to pay. He doesn't have the money to pay for the actual schooling of it. Maybe you could convince your manager or whoever's the uh, person in charge of that content data. Like, hey, can I let this one person access this content and I'll do X amount of work for free for you? I'll transcribe four episodes. I don't I don't know how the quantity of your work is, but yeah. I'll just, I'll transcribe four of these episodes for free. If you let me have this guy access the the cool master classes that you have, because he's going to help me with this task, so you can exchange mm. between a few different people and get the value that you need by being that connector of those people.
1: Right. Yeah. Um. And I mean, unfortunately, sometimes the answer to some of the questions is just like work harder. Yeah. Sucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so definitely. it's like, oh, how do I get better at editing a podcast? It's like, learn Pro Tools,
0: my man. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but I mean, that helps. Like I learned shortcuts on my, I used DaVinci Resolve and Audacity and I learned shortcuts and mm-hmm. resolve that allowed me to expedite some of the processes I was trying to do. I, ironically, I forgot them. So I need to practice them more and yeah. learn the skill more effectively. And I know that's mm-hmm. a weakness of mine that I just completely forgot to practice those, those shortcuts and I have forgot them. But when I switched over to a different sprite designing program for this graphics design, I learned that the old program had no shortcuts, control Z, that was it. Versus <laughs> the new one had shortcuts for every tool. The moment I started using those, my productivity rate exponentially increased.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that kind of goes back to the learning how to learn sort of thing, is that um, a friend of mine uh, brought up this concept of, of technical debt, Yeah, which uh, has Ooh. been sticking in my brain a lot. Which is, uh, you, you just had a thought. So, follow
0: yeah. It. Go so, ahead. the technical <laughs> debt the first thing that came to mind was a book called The Phoenix Project, where it's, mm. it's a project management oriented book. So, one thing I actually learned a lot was about project management and organizing the systems that you do to execute your tasks. So, what order of operations do you do to, to make this podcast? Set up the guest, had to interview the guest, edit the podcast, market it out. That order of operations, what do you do? What can you break that down to different chunks to get that done easier? Uh, separate the audio, put it together in a folder to make it easier to access when you are when you're, when you're in your editor. that project management cycle or sprint is what talks about in that book and that book is a story about how they changed project management methodologies and dramatically changed the actual uh, amount of te- technical debt that they had. Their company had an insane amount of technical debt and they weren't able to get out of that hole until they started changing their project management. so that was something that you might really enjoy
1: yeah. And it's a funny thing because, uh, well, go define technical debt because you you probably know the concept better than I do.
0: Well, you probably heard it since I have. But essentially, technical mm-hmm. debt is the idea of, let's say you're building a, a software tool. That's what a lot of the people who use that term are doing. They're building some kind of tool to be used for a company or for a person. And there is a list of features you need to have in order for this tool to be used and if you're trying to develop these features and you say to these people hey i'm going to release this feature at this time or you release or even internally to the ceo i told the ceo that we're going to release this technology at this time and then you're a week late then you're two weeks late and you finally get it done but now you're behind on the other tasks that you were trying to do and so over time every week that it takes you're getting more and more into technical debt towards that particular technology that you're developing
1: yeah yeah and i think that uh More so too, is that like the time that is spent learning a technology is a part of that technical debt. And so it's like the time that someone might spend, if they're like, Ooh, I want to start a podcast. They go, all right, well, what do I need to learn? And so it's like, you're spending so much time learning how to produce audio, learning uh, how to set up a website, learning. And these are all things that I had to pick up myself as I was starting a podcast and that's all stuff that has to be done before you even begin the endeavor before you first put out the first podcast
0: <laughs> not necessarily so that comes down to quality like th- this is a more sure, philosophical sure. Yeah, yeah. debate and so like anchor.fm is a tool where you can literally pick up your phone sign into the app and make a podcast right off the bat the quality sure. may be all right. The audio quality is certainly not going to be as good as this Yeti mic that I have here or your mic that you have there. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to have a mic to actually use the app. But you could literally sit up a podcast, and they're free too. There's podcast mm-hmm. tools like it, like that I use and probably you use, that are not free, that are better, because Anchor has some limitations when it comes to distribution and control over your stuff, which is a whole nother topic to go on. But it's a really good app. I used it myself for a time even too, where if you want to just get started creating podcasts, Then you can. And the same thing goes for YouTube. You literally can pick up your phone, make a YouTube video, and upload it right then and there. It won't be good. You may not get anybody's reach. (laughs) But the practice that you get is way more important than what you would learn on a Google Doc or some kind of resource on a blog post or video that you watch. I didn't start making my YouTube videos until after my podcast, despite the fact I wanted to do them tangently, because I couldn't see. I didn't feel comfortable being on camera. I didn't like mm. seeing myself on camera and I also had technical issues, which didn't help. But, and then also too, the podcast, some people don't want to face the idea of hearing their voice through the <laughs> audio. It's a, it's a bone conduction thing. Your jaw jo- your jaws conduct a, more of the audio from your, to your mouth, or your ears. So you actually sound deeper in your yeah. head than you do on the, of the recording. And so people don't like that sound, but the only way to get used to it is by doing it more. So yeah. yeah and i I think
1: that's actually a question that people have asked me a lot before it's like uh how do you get to listen to your own podcast i'm like that's just the way i sound Uh, that also comes down to like being a singer myself and so i i really have to get used to the sound of my own voice or else uh i'm not going to learn anything from hearing myself yeah (laughs) but yeah no i think that you can have a different set of standards, I guess, is that uh right from the get-go, I knew that I wanted to have a certain standard because I was in school for music production. Yeah. And so uh I at least need to have that part of my credibility be like, hey, I went to school for this. I should make quality audio at least.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and for the um, most part, if you have a microphone, that's usually good enough for the most part, like you can do uh audacity is free and you can you usually pick that up pretty quick so you get a a cheap microphone off amazon and that generally is crappy but it dramatically improves over like ipods or uh, airpods and whatnot people use so if you get a microphone you can generally do higher quality off the bat you know better than obviously because you're a production person person (laughs) but for someone who's not a production person they won't necessarily notice a difference and for you you know some tricks already from your previous experience with singing and production that you might be able to use those tricks to take a cheap mic and make it sound a lot better.
1: Yeah. And uh, that's just EQ. Yeah.
0: But- exactly. <laughs> I still don't know how to EQ well enough. Like ch- turn down some channels, boom, that's all I know, and I don't even do it. So I need to learn more of that.
1: <laughs> right, right. But and and that's how um is what I keep referring to as meta podcasting, but like we're talking about podcasting, uh, in that (laughs) that's what we are talking about is, uh, skills that, and what you're talking about is skills that we can interchange and we can talk about and we can, uh, grow and learn from each other in a way that doesn't cost either of us money
0: which is nice yeah uh, <laughs> well and it, talk about skills is that kind of leads back to my whole shtick about being a polymath i wanted to be a polymath content creator that's just kind of how i evolved my content creation so that's one reason why i i did a ton of research on every platform i know i don't mm. need to be on every single social media i mean you kind of do now days considering how the Social media influencers, air quotes, if you can't, you can't see doing air quotes, but um, those influencers have developed. You have to be omni-channel as the term is called, where you're, you're literally everywhere at once. And that's what or originated my omni-content idea, where I create for every platform. Yeah. Um. And I, like it,
1: the complexity of it is exhausting to me. And mm-hmm. that's, that's probably one, one big reason why I am not as good at that is because like why should I have to put my stuff on all of these platforms whenever it already exists on my website? Well, it's because no one's going to see your website. People aren't going to see it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and so it's exhausting because the layers of complexity that are added in, well, now here's TikTok. Now here's this thing. Oh, well, nobody's using this platform anymore. So you got to keep up with that. Oh, and then, (laughs) and so it's like all these things that, um, to me are exhausting, but are, skills that, yeah, we learn over time. Um, what was sort of your biggest hurdle, even from the beginning of deciding to start this thing?
0: Focusing. Literally, it's, uh, something I was literally about to actually tell you, like I was, I was trying to active listen, so I tried to forget the idea, but literally response you to your question too is that focusing is the hard part. I feel like you're polymathic, but I don't think necessarily you want to be a jack of all trades or polymath in the nature. I think you might do better as a dual specialist, specialist, Or you might want to go to music production and podcasting, which are two different specialties, but interrelated. And you could translate your skills between them pretty easily. So you could build them both up relatively quickly by building one up. And so you might only need to focus on one of the platforms that's on the rise is LinkedIn, so you really want to probably get on that one. And with your podcast, I think there's probably a lot of uh, nuance and knowledge people could gain, which the professional crowd of LinkedIn is going to like. And then Instagram is another part that I think you might do well on just because of the way your content is. Those two platforms, screw Facebook, screw Twitter, you could, you could go on <laughs> If This and That or Zapier, set an automation that anytime you release a YouTube video or podcast to automatically send to those platforms set it and forget it and then for instagram and linkedin you could create these short clips of these videos one minute clips shouldn't take too long just cut it out of your uh logic or pro or even just use a certain tool that i i know of that you can use where you can literally create little clips of your audio visualizers and just put it on those platforms people like oh this is really cool you could build up your professional uh pathway and build a network considering your background is going to be super helpful i think being a master's and overall what you're doing with the master classes that's some skills that you could really actually use on the linkedin platform i think people really love hearing more about that and like you can talk to mm-hmm. people about it make friends make a network then on instagram there's people who are going to like enjoy it as an entertainment aspect too yeah for me i couldn't focus um, that's what i was going for
1: <laughs> where uh, where did you end up focusing
0: so that's what's funny is that I didn't. I actually focused on not focusing. I I, <laughs> I stopped listening to the experts and it's like, that's stupid. I don't want to focus on just one platform. That's what I know I don't want to do. That's the one constant that I always had. And so I learned how to do it on all platforms. And I'm not trying to make everyone do that. I know people don't want to do that. That's why I told you when I gave my didactic and unsolicited advice to you I was like hey just focus on these two but for me right. I want to be everywhere so I learned how to be good on individual platforms and then what I learned was repurposing so there's a concept in content creation where if you want to take a content like you're doing you're transcribing those those uh, audio files or video files I'm not sure if they're videos or not into written form you're repurposing it to a different form that's why they're making you do it because they want to have people to be able to read it plus Mm -hmm. when you transcribe it it makes much more indexable in your search so if you have blog posts of your podcasts and each one has a transcription beneath it then if i go to your search bar on your website i could search for dustin miller or some kind of particular topic that we talked about let's say i listen to this podcast when you release it 10 years down the line i remember hey on that podcast 10 years ago, there was a really cool book I wanted to read called The Tao of Physics, and I want to search for it. You go onto your website, search for it. Since you have it transcribed now, I can actually see the words Tao of Physics in your mm-hmm. the transcription and find it. So re- repurposing allows for not only greater reach, but overall ease of access. So you're kind of batching the content. I like blogging, so I make a blog post and turn it into other stuff. Most people make yeah. a video... Like if we're making this into a video, you could you could put that on YouTube, take the audio out, put it on podcast, transcribe it, put it on your blog, and one piece of content creates becomes three. Yeah. Whew. Um, I want yeah, yeah. a little, real tangent there. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. that's that's the point. That's the point, and yeah. that,
1: and that's the the fun fun aspect of it. Um, so I mean, obviously, we're talking about literally myself, which is a a very interesting and self-indulgent thing. But I I think that people can get a lot out of uh, really finding where this stuff applies to them and how, uh, I mean, a lot of my friends are musicians. And so they're like, oh, cool. I see how that would work for him, but this could also work for me. And I see how uh, maybe this polymath thing would work for Dustin and how applying it in these areas would work for me
0: yeah um that's exactly the point i that's why i created my podcast show so that people can be more polymathic or interdisciplinary you don't have to be a polymath to be a generalist or apply those principles yeah all right so changing gears for like the last five minutes of this podcast
1: <laughs> what's something that you're into that you want other people to know about
0: Honestly, kind of going back to my last point, content repurposing, that's been my main kind of focus the past year or so, just learning how to do that more. So one person I mentioned earlier was Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. And like I said, people see him as this kind of like pompous person, but he's a very genuine, kind person. And one of the things he does, like you mentioned earlier, he has a team. He has a full on team to do all his marketing, but he still tries to do a lot of it manually. And he actually created that kind of concept of, not create it, but he created a slideshow sharing how he breaks down his content. So he'll take a one hour keynote or like a two hour podcast and break it down into these different chunks. So one piece of content turns into 64. Yeah. I took that (laughs) and made, I made my own strategy and turned it into 107 pieces of content. And not to like to brag or anything like that. I just wanted to share that idea is so that you can you can take something that you created and find ways to repurpose it or remake it into something else, and really spread it out. And not only will that save you effort, like you, Santiago, even too, but also time and energy, and making you more happy and content in the long run.
1: <laughs> yeah, and more time to do your quote unquote bad hobbies. Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Video games for um, life. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I started playing gears five the other night and i'm like man now i just have another like nagging thing in my brain that i'm like i want to keep playing that game but
0: (laughs) i I was doing apex legends the other day i was trying that out so yep
1: yeah no and it's it's dangerous in a way but like i don't know the how do you manage that time as well because i mean i know that you do uh fitness and aerobics and that kind of stuff so it's like that's another thing that takes a lot of time uh and does that even play
0: into anything else that you're doing or it's just like it's all interconnected like (laughs) i've actually not worked out nearly as much during this quarantine which is actually a terrible thing for me especially since i've been Such a fitness-oriented person, but no one has been working out as much as they should be during the quarantine. Yeah, and so that's why I think like I I had that self-awareness to be like, okay, I shouldn't give myself too much crap about it. And there's also the balance of grinding. If I'm going to sit there and grind for ten hours, then you should also rest too. Like, play hard, work hard. So you want to play as hard as you work. And so if you feel like playing a video game after working a long day, or you feel like, hey. I don't have enough energy to produce more content today or do something productive, but I have a few hours before going to bed. Let's spend it to her something that's going to make me happy and more content and happy that it makes me sleep better so I can work harder tomorrow. And one thing I was to mention is that I scheduled Instagram posts. And one thing mm-hmm. that just happened is while we were talking is that an Instagram post went out. I scheduled it like <laughs> two weeks ago. And it's something that's relatively evergreen. You don't want to share anything that's too dated but like if you have something that's like a philosophical quote or whatever you want to share you can send it out over time so that's one thing i did to make myself more feel better about uh playing apex legends is that i schedule things behind (laughs) the scenes so that i can actually do it but while doing it at the same time yeah exactly
1: um and i think the other part is uh enjoying the work is that uh, one reason i started this podcast uh is not because oh I want to have a, a multi-tiered marketing scheme so that I can promote my music, oh, which no. that's what it ended up being. But it's no. it's the <laughs> is that uh, well I still promote my music at the end of every podcast, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> but is the fact that um, I started this because I like talking to people. That's it. Uh, whenever I was in high school, I didn't have a car and I was really involved with like marching band and show choir and choir and, uh, musical theater and all that stuff. And so all, a lot of stuff would end up getting out at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and I didn't have a car and friends would give me rides home. And then what would end up happening is we'd sit in my driveway until like 3 AM, just talking about deep stuff all the time. And so that's a, uh, a way that I got these deeper and close relationships with some of my closest friends now. Um, and even for people that I'm not friends with anymore, just over time, because high school was a weird time is that I still remember those times fondly because we were able to have these super deep conversations and get to know each other on a deep level. And that's sort of the point of the podcast. Uh, and so in a weird way, it's this accelerated friendship module. (laughs) Um, but then the other part is like, I'm passionate about it. Definitely. I can see and that. So, and so it, it it makes having these conversations that might seem like work a lot of fun. And I mean, that's why I'm a musician too. It's close to your <laughs> ikigai.
0: Like, it's something that you enjoy doing that drives you forward. That's the thing. If you have an ikigai or passion, this this is something you're passionate about, not to interrupt or something like that, but no, you're, you're literally pursuing something that's passionate about it. Your attention units, your energy units are going to either be increased or – decrease at a slower rate because you're more passionate about it hell they might not even decrease at all if you're really passionate about it i love talking yeah. to people too i think these, this conversation was fantastic i'm going to get an extroverted high after this for the next few hours because i've been talking with someone cool so i get you
1: yeah um so last thing what recharges your battery what gives you more uh energy to energy units to go on and keep grinding
0: I already answered just now. (laughs) Literally, just like talking to people is fun for me. I'm an ambivert. I'm not even a pure extrovert. I love being on my own, too. But um, I recharge by playing, like we talked about earlier, knowing yourself, knowing when you need to take a rest. Sometimes when I get like too information logged or drained from the computers – I'll go listen to an audiobook or podcast, which is more information, but it's more direct, focused, and I can go for a walk, be exposed to nature, and have a good time. Or I can have a conversation with someone like yourself and have a good time that way.
1: Yeah, sweet. (laughs) Dustin, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thanks for having me. Uh, Where can we find
0: you and your things? So all of my stuff is linked on my main website, polyinnovator.space.
1: Sweet. Um, There's... All sorts of cool stuff you can find on there uh, and all sorts of anything. And like you said, whatever kind of content that you want to consume, it is in that format for you. So it's perfect for anyone and everyone.
0: Well, and just to also kind of add a little bit, My my... My personal brand's name is Poly Innovator. That's basically my alternative name in a way. And literally, if you go to any obscure platform, like blockchain, social media platforms, or any kind of social media platform, Mm -hmm. any platform at all, you search for Poly Innovator, you're bound to find me.
1: Yeah, heck yeah.
0: <laughs> so try and
1: dig into the deepest trenches of the internet yeah and type in poly <laughs> well that
0: sounds kind of like yeah, <laughs> yeah you go on the deep web you find me there too <laughs> uh
1: yeah m- maybe not
0: maybe <laughs> or, not hopefully not well deep in, well, deep web's not bad it's the dark web that's bad
1: <laughs> i don't care to know the difference and that's why.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all um, right
1: well no yeah um uh, thank you so much for doing this with me i'm santiago Ramones. I'm Dustin Miller, Poly Innovator. Thanks for being here. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. There is a lot of stuff that you can listen to on there, like as we talked about earlier, my master's recital and all that sort of stuff. You can find the stuff that I do with Power Cycle, which is a experimental electronic trio. We have an album called Too Many Damn Cables that is streaming everywhere that is completely improvised. So put that on in the background, give us some streams, and that way you don't have to give us money directly unless you want to, which it's on Bandcamp, so you can give us money directly. <laughs> um, I was in my podcast with my three things. They shaped my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.